The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the seventh chapter, beginning with the first verse. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jewish people do not eat unless they're thoroughly washed their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandments of God and hold to human tradition. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand There's nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. On my most recent hike in Mount Rainier National Park, we stopped at the bottom of Spray Falls on the north side of the mountain, and then scrambled up some rocks to get a better view. I imagine that many of you have done the same thing one or more times there, and you know what a sacred place that is. Fresh, pure water from mountain glaciers pours over a cliff and then cascades down more than 350 feet in an ever-widening flow of beauty and grace. When I read the epistle lesson for today from the book of James, I remembered what it was like to stand at the bottom of Spray Falls, looking up at the awesome and abundant flow of water above me. The writer of James says, every generous act of giving with every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the creator of lights. It makes me think of all the awesome and abundant gifts from God that flow down to us so freely. In the broader context of our Bible readings for today, we can begin by remembering the Torah, or law from God, with all its statutes and ordinances, as gift from above. According to the book of Deuteronomy, this gift is so good and pure that we must neither add anything to it or take anything from it. To put it another way, we should let it flow freely and abundantly so that it can have its way with us as a source of life and truth and wisdom. Just downriver from Spray Falls, the waters of the creek flow into the Mowich River, 
and they become even more powerful and abundant. And what I observed when I crossed the waters at that point some years ago is that they make their own way as they go right there, constantly shaping and reshaping the landscape without the intervention of human beings who like to add things and take things away in order to suit our needs. The waters there carve out new paths every year and redefine what the river looks like, always on their own terms. That too is a helpful way for me to think about the law given by God, which the writer of James calls the law of freedom. It isn't that we are free to do anything we want as humans, but that the law itself is meant to be free so that it can shape and reshape us throughout our entire lives. That seems to be what the writer of James is also saying about religion in general. In its purest form, the writer says, religion flows down from God and then shapes us into people who love as God loves, freely and generously, with special concern for orphans and widows in their distress. But what happens when we go against the command to neither add anything or take anything from this gift? Just downriver from where I made my crossing, the Mowich River flows into the Puyallup, which is also fed by mountain glaciers. The result is an even greater source of life and energy for the whole environment, including all the creatures that draw life from this free gift. But then, as it leaves the National Park, the gathered waters crash up against the hard walls of Electron Dam, and humans become the ones who are doing the shaping and reshaping. Our motivation, of course, is to preserve something which is very dear to us, a way of life that depends on an unlimited supply of electricity. In the end, though, we not only add what we want, but we take away some of the river's power to nourish and sustain the rest of creation. We let it flow forward beyond the dam, but only on our terms. In the gospel story today, Jesus seems to see the same thing happening with the gift of the Torah, along with its statutes and ordinances. Speaking to a group of religious leaders, he says, you are taking the gift of God's command and remaking it into something that fits your human tradition. The controversy began when the leaders tried to exploit the power that they had garnered for themselves by accusing Jesus' disciples of not abiding by the rules. When they noticed that some of Jesus' disciples were eating without first washing their hands, they said, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders? Jesus is quick to point out that the tradition of the elders, as they call it, is not the same thing as the free-flowing Torah. What you are doing, he says, is teaching your human precepts as doctrine. 
As one here of this text observed, Jesus isn't saying that all religious traditions are bad. What he indicts here, she says, is the legalism, the self-righteousness, and the exclusivism that keeps these leaders from freely loving God and loving their neighbors. What Jesus calls out is their elevation of religious right over mercy, of heritage over hospitality, of ritual over compassion. What he grieves, she says, is their compulsive need to police the boundaries of their religion based on their own narrow definitions of purity and piety. It's easy, of course, to judge these Pharisees and scribes for taking something so expansive and narrowing it down to rigid set of rules made by humans. But when I think about what we Christians have done, not just with the Torah, but with all the teachings of Jesus, I start to get a picture in my mind of the last miles of the Puyallup River before it empties into the Sailor Sea. I drove along that stretch of river, both going to and from that recent hike. And in those last miles, it hardly looks like a river anymore. Instead, human engineering has turned it into a highly managed canal with rigid boundaries, straight boundaries on either side. It's a sad thing to acknowledge, but our Christian story has often looked a lot like that especially when it comes to how we have dealt with the wild and expansive teachings of Jesus that are meant to shape and reshape us as his followers. At our best, we let this river of life flow through us and we become a beloved community in Christ that nourishes and sustains all forms of life around us. At our best, we allow the love ethic of Jesus to carve out new paths every year and redefine what our church and what our religion looks like. But as we all know, there is a shadow side to our Christian story that we need to name and address. All too often, we have built rigid boundaries on either side of Jesus' teaching and we have turned our religion into a highly managed canal where our own rules pass as doctrine. My heart grieves today for all the beloved of God who have been judged and excluded and condemned and killed because they did not fit inside those narrow barriers engineered by Christians intent on preserving a selfish and narrow way of life. My heart grieves for every child of God who has been told they are unclean and therefore rejected even by God because of their race or gender identity or social standing or legal status or past history or any other part of who they are that doesn't conform to the norms established by those with power in the church. I'm aware that many of you may be hurting right now from your own experience with this, 
either in the past or the present. I wish I could undo what was said and done against you. But I can only speak to you in the present and say that you bear God's image within you. And you are seen and loved by God for who you are. And in my heart of hearts, I want to be a part of change within the church that breaks open those barriers which are harmful to all of us. For those of us who are inside of them, there is also great loss. As Debbie Thomas says, legalism in any guise deadens us toward God and toward our neighbors. It freezes us in time, she says, making us irrelevant to the generations that come after us. It makes us stingy and small-minded, cowardly and anxious. It strips away our joy, she says, and robs us of peace. So what can we do to break open the free gifts that come from God, from above, for the whole human family and for all of creation? In recent years, it has been truly remarkable to observe what happens when dams and dikes created by humans are removed from wild rivers. Here in the northwest on the Elwa River up north and in the Nisqually Delta close to home, the restoration of life that is occurring after those barriers are removed has impressed even the most hopeful scientists and environmental activists. Yes, it is still a work in progress that takes time on both of those rivers. But we have seen firsthand what can happen when God's creation is set free to be restored and renewed, to be reshaped, to be reimagined. In essence, the future of these rivers is the same future that I dream now for the church. I dream of a future where human barriers are removed and where the harm that has been done is mended and restored by free-flowing currents of justice and of peace and love. And I dream of God and us making this happen together through words and deeds that are like a pure glacier-fed waterfall cascading down in an ever-widening flow of beauty and grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.